Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Here is Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. Brought to you by Jamstack.com. Come join us in San Francisco on November 6th and 7th. Register at Jamstack.org. What up, everybody? Woohoo! Oh, I got the main stage camera. Yeah, maybe we should back it up for a minute. <laughs> We're all here. That's a lot before you jump into it. Right. It? I felt very important. Yeah. I, I like how formal your name is, Demetrius. I don't think I've. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know if ever. I should. You know, now I feel left out. Maybe I should have put my freaking at name. But it's kind of the same. I anyway. think you can still change it. Can I change yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. I, I've had people change it midway through. Yeah, he did the full thing instead of just Dom. But just yeah. don't. What is it? Don't call you Dominic. Is that the? Well, it's like first of all, like everybody only ever knew me as Demetrius, and then I let people start calling me Dom because I was like, oh, you know what? My name allows for it. And then people I went to high school with were like, yo, Dominic, and I'm like, I've known you for a decade. How do you not know what my name is? So now I have to lead with the full name so that people know first, and then we can backtrack to Dom. Okay. So you got to be friends first. Right. Exactly. You got it. I think we've got a website for you, apparently. Dom.com. Dom.com. Say that five times fast. Dom.com, 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 Dom.com. It sounds like Cookie Monster. <laughs> yep, welcome to having Demetrius on your stream. This is great. Uh, how do I change my freaking... Oh, there it is. <laughs> so it's worse because my, my handle is just my full name. So. <laughs> There's my government. For the, for those who don't know, Brittany works at Nellify, and so Dom also works at Nellify. You haven't been fired or anything. You like, asked that like question. Say it so questioningly. Like, I I guess I work at Nellify too. Okay. Okay. He came in pretty fired up today about his perfect pick. So I, I just I'm gonna preface it that way. I didn't even know there was a perfect pick. You fired me up. This is all your fault. <laughs> This and then the... she played the He-Man video, which all of you. Whoa, are whoa see. don't give it away! I'm oh, we just I'm spoiling. Spoilers! I'm spoiling. Whoa! What movies whoa. have you not watched? I'm spoiling those next. Oh my gosh, we can't even get started on that. I don't want spoilers <laughs> for movies. So, Dom, uh, yeah. we're here to talk about growing as DXE and building dev communities. How do you know about building dev communities? Yeah, I mean, actually, funny enough, it started. Uh, with my passion for video games. So I, I used to build gaming communities growing up uh, a ton and like had no idea that that would ever turn into something that I could use professionally. I was just, you know, trying to play video games with a bunch of other nerds. Um, so eventually, like I was running a community at one point when I was like probably a teenager and it was like upwards of like 5,000 members um, across the world that we would just do like tournaments and stuff like that. So I got really early knowledge on like, a what not to do which was like i remember we had like a facebook group and um i wanted to move to a website i wanted to you know i wanted to centralize where people would be i had like a whole forum wordpress site set up when i was younger i had no idea what web dev was um set that up and everyone hated me for doing so <laughs> everyone was like i'm staying here on facebook so i learned really early like you know how important it is to listen to your community like what what it's like to actively like it's hard it's hard to be so present in a community that it grows so i learned really early how to do those things and then um when i got into i, I went to a boot camp uh very early probably like six six years ago when boot camps were like just coming out and one of the things that they do at boot camps is they always have those um 
the like alumni Slack channels that you join. Um, and so I decided, you know, like instead of instead of a bubble where I only talk to people who have went to this boot camp, how do I open this up and find out perspectives from people all around the world that are going to all of these different boot camps? Um, Hack Reactor was like a huge camp at the time, and like they were pumping numbers out. They, you know, their curriculum was really cutting edge, and so I I decided like let's make a super alumni channel where all folks who have went to all of these different boot camps can come together, share experiences. I also wanted to see for myself, like, am I going to be able to get a job while these other people <laughs> are, are also looking? Um, so I built Bootcamped, uh, which was actually my first job slash startup that I had ever done in tech. Um, I ended up meeting with uh, Sean Bullock, who was a senior architect, I believe, at a, one of the credit bureaus. Um, and he had seen kind of my ability to gather people and, and boot camp had grown to like 2K members really quickly uh, through posting on like LinkedIn and stuff. And I still was trying to find a job at the same time with Ruby on Rails, which no one was hiring for. <laughs> oh, look. Anthony yeah. just said. <laughs> yep. See, exactly. So like I'm, I'm like I'm out here, you know, like the little kid, like, please, sir, can I have a job? And everyone's like, yeah, no, I'm super good on that. Please go away. So I'm like, okay, like, you know, let's build a startup. Community's going great. Met Sean. He was building a curriculum for teaching folks out of boot camps how to do algorithms and uh, like coding challenges and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so that went on for about a year. Um, and then I decided during that year to teach myself JavaScript and React. Uh, then went on to build React Adelphia, which was like the, the React meetup in Philly that I built with a phenomenal organizing team for about three years. Um, that thing was huge, right? Like how many, how many people? I mean, we were we were 100 people in person every month um, and then another 70 to 100 online. And we were doing one of our big like claims to fame with Reacted Elfie is we live streamed our event before anybody else was. Mm -hmm. uh, we were one of the very early like we had a whole AV set up at the office that I was working at. So we would have we had a it's funny. We had a laptop set up on stage so that the people that were calling in could see this, the, the, the nice. people that were there. Um, because back then, like people weren't as excited to give talks remotely well, right, before right. COVID. Like nobody thought they needed to. Nobody right? thought they needed to. They would just fly <laughs> out. And I was like, how do I? Because you got to think like when you think of the East Coast, you think of New York, right? Like, mm -hmm. like that is the first big tech company city that you're looking at. Philly really only has one large tech company. Like we have a few like scattered like. We have Urban Outfitters uh, out here um, and a couple other good ones. But like Comcast is really the huge like tech, you know, hub out here. So I really wanted to do like my job in in uplifting all of the great Philadelphian tech leaders that I had met. Um, but I also wanted to like I wanted to grow their audience while at the same time educate the people that were coming to the meetup. So I think actually one of my first people that were there was Jason. Jason was one of the first people to agree to to come and give a remote talk for us. And I think we had Kyle Shevlin uh, and Ali Spatel. So it's like we had these really, really big names show up next to these people who, you know, don't have that much of a following in Philly. Um, so then I kind of learned a little bit more about building tech communities like in person, what that would look like. And that was when I first started doing Discord communities uh, was with React Adelphia. So it's just kind of been like a wild ride since then. I've done a couple of like paid contracts with companies like um, Orbit, Apollo, helping them set up for GraphQL Summit when we all went remote. Um, that was one of my big claims to fame was I was really just the discord community guy. Like that's what everybody knew. I think I was funny. We were at remix comp. Somebody came up to me like, aren't you the discord guy? I was like, I never knew I was, but <laughs> that is me. <laughs> the discord guy. I love it. I'll take it. We, we've even got panic at the discord. Apparently. 
Nikki I think T. we can throw that music together pretty easy. I oh, chimed in cool. with the haven't you channels ever heard of. I can wow. do it. Oh, look at this. this. I can do it. You have so many more talents that I didn't know about. Right. They're all just like in a bag of tricks that I just wait to pull out. <laughs> oh, okay. So that kind of covered like a crazy amount of communities. When we come back, I want to talk about what the heck a DXE is. Yeah. Heck yeah. Sweet. All right. We know that creating content can be a tedious balancing act. Developers want flexibility to make seamless digital experiences, while content teams need the tools to work independently. We make changes and are left to watch everything fall apart. We met our limits using plugin after plugin and waiting weeks for edits. All for this. We knew it was time to rebuild the blocks. Storyblock gives marketers creative control and use a visual editor to actually see what they're doing. And developers are no longer restrained to a set of technology. Storyblock has made it simple for each market with localization and personalization tools and allows you to publish content on all channels and all devices. Truthfully, we all wanted the same thing, to deliver the right information to the right destination at the right time. Jamstack.conf is back in person, and we are going all out. Come meet the people who are building the future of web development, from the minds behind Dino and Netlify to the open source builders working on Astro, Solid, Eleven D, Angular, and more. Ask questions about what's coming to the modern web directly to the people building it. Hang out with fellow web devs and have fun connecting to the community in a gorgeous rooftop setting. Taking place November 7th and 8th in the heart of San Francisco, Jamstack Conf is a celebration of web development that includes more than 30 speakers, 40 booths, and hundreds of developers, and a few more surprises. Don't miss out and get your ticket or check out the agenda now on jamstack.org forward slash comp. We can't wait to see you there. All right, Dom, as I promised, what the heck is a DXE? That's a loaded question. Um, so for, for all those joining us right now, we're talking about um, DXE and dev communities. And Dom is going to explain what a DXE is. <laughs> What's the acronym? Uh, developer Experience Engineer, um, which is like every company kind of treats this role differently. Does it fall under the DevRel umbrella? You know, how, how does it fall? Like, what does that look like? Is it developer marketing? You know, whatever. To me, like, if you were to give me a team and say build a DXE team from scratch, I think it would be a lot around what we're starting to focus on back again in, in Netlify internally, which is like, you know, there's 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 so many parts of, of the developer experience journey um, that your community hits. And I think one of the most foremost things that you will deal with as a developer experience engineer is knowing how to kind of connect the product to the community and then and mm -hmm. then back. Um, and I think that that gets lost along the way of like developer marketing and um, the ways that communities are built, you know, around a funnel. Like there's just so many ways that it can get misconstrued, but like at the epicenter of what a DXE should do is, is really like decoding the really um, hard internal messaging and product launches uh, and, and finding where that meets the people that we're actually trying to serve. I think a lot of the time uh, companies get caught up in the journey to enterprise which is fine. You know, that's how companies make money. That's how it works. But at the end of the day, like 
when you have especially a product that's free, right? Like that that builds into tiers, you have to find how that journey fits. And I think when you are when you're a, a product marketing team or a, a PM on a marketing team or even a, a developer within an, a product launching uh, like pillar, you you don't have as much time anymore to spend time building your connections out in the wild mm -hmm. in the community. And, you know, we see it all the time. I think one of the best examples I have of somebody who still does that is Maya Shavin, Shav, Shavlin, Shavin. I always mess with last name. Shavin. I believe it's Maya Shavin. She, yeah, I just go with Maya. So yeah, Maya is one of those people who does it all and, yep. and impresses the, the absolute hell out of me, but not everybody can, can handle that, that level of working internally, building internally and also externally. So we kind of alleviate that pain um, in, in a few ways, right? So a, we get to handle product launches as customer zero, which is like, I think one of the most important pieces of being a DXE catching early bugs, finding ways that don't make sense, uh, asking the beginner questions that only a beginner can ask, right? Like when you've got an entire team dedicated to a, a piece of your product, they know that thing in and out and it, they no longer have the perspective of somebody who's coming at this for, from fresh eyes. Um, and I think that's like a huge piece of what is really important. So getting your DXEs to work alongside your product engineering teams is like such a huge bonus for your organization. And then on the other side of that, once you, once you do have the experience and the the technical acumen to like start to describe the product in a way that they would expect. Mm -hmm. You now can meet the community and say, Hey, like I now have a better understanding. What does this look like to you? You can gather feedback. You can do product, you know, testing sessions, product feedback sessions, like in a much more controlled environment because they already trust you. And that is one of the big things of the DXE. If you're not building trust within your community, how are they ever going to trust the thing that you're yeah. trying to sell them? Isn't just trying to sell them something right. Like uh natter dabbit, was one of my big uh, like early um, kind of influences in how he thought about DX because he was always like the the big piece of, of building as somebody who's in the public eye so often is consistently building on your trust. And when somebody hires you as a DXE or a DevRel or whatever the hell your company calls it, they're, they're literally buying your social credit. Yeah. They're buying the mm -hmm. amount of trust that you have built up in the community that people will listen to you and want to learn from you. And so like keeping a balance of I'm never going to sell you a product that I don't think is going to help you. If, if someone else's product is going to do better, I don't care if I work at Netlify. I'm going to tell you that that might be a good alternative for you because that that is how you trust me. Not by yeah. selling you into this this slide of problems that you're going to get into when I know that they exist. Putting you into a position to succeed is how you're going to come back. Whether or not you use our product now, you're going to go, oh, I need this now. I know I can go to Dom for this. And that's such a huge part of, like, I think what being a DXE means. Um, how do you, how do you balance out, like, my, my biggest struggle, like, when you're in the DevRel space, I think you hit on it. Like, how do you avoid all the marketing pitches and all the sales pitches, but still, like, propped up that that thing that you're selling essentially yeah like you're excited about it and you're passionate about it and you're building the community and that's the part of that you love to do but then there's oh yeah this thing that i still need to like get into the people's hands like yeah it feels weird at times i think one of the biggest i am a stick in the grass dxe like i will stop and and cause a ruckus for my community like that it, like that is one of the things that when I when I started taking over the Jamstack community, one of the reasons people were even excited is because they knew that I was going to do everything in my power. Like I, 
if you if you're gonna fire me over caring about my community, then do that, right? Like that's mm -hmm. where I'm at. Like I'm I'm at the point where you know I've been in this industry for six years now. I've been a DXE for three of them. Um, I know the community. I know what they want to hear, and I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to balk at my social credit just so that you can get a sale. I really want. If there's a way for me to meet both in the middle, I want to I want to create that. Mm -hmm. And it's I'm so passionate about like the idea that we don't have developer marketing is a real thing, right? Like that that should exist because there you have to find people where they are. Like it it, it is not something I I I want to discredit by any means. It's not what I do. And yeah. if you're hiring me to do that, you miscommunicated somewhere along the way what your expectations were of me because I would have I would have declined that because I, I just am, I am so, I, I don't think I actually enjoy building community professionally as much as I did as an open mm. source. Um, just because you, you, you do then have to start to compromise around the level of which you're willing to start pushing the narrative. Right. Yeah. Totally. And, and that's everywhere. Like that's, it, it doesn't, it's not like, it's not like it changes at whatever it's, it's always going to feel that way. Um, and that's why I kind of am really excited that I transitioned back to doing DXE stuff because now I'm, I mean, I spent a year, the only Netlify product stuff that I learned was stuff that I would go out and force myself to learn because I never had any overlap with, with needing to teach people those types of things. So, you know, when, when I would do this, the Jamstack stuff, you know, we would, we would want to talk about Netlify. Um, and, and I was always like, you know, Let's make sure that it actually is meeting the community before we start marketing inside of the inside of the discord or or to the community, because it's just we need to know. And, and a lot of companies have a hard time with this. We need to know that when we are starting to hit those funnels, which you have to do, right? Like yeah. a funnel has to be happening when when you when you are trying to make money at a company. Um, when you start to hit those funnels, are people blindsided? Um, and I want to do like my biggest thing in probably the roles that I've been in is how do I, how do I become the blocker from that, from the blind side of, of community members? And how do I make it so that internally they understand how important it is to listen to the people that are using their product, even if they're not paying customers. Um, and I think that's what I've loved about being at Netlify. I think that Netlify does really understand the community that it serves. I think that's one of the big things that Netlify has always done, like from an outside perspective, even before I worked here, I just really respected the way that they that they, you know, marketed and the way that they, you know, things things are going to rapidly change because money is needed always, but I think they stay very closely to the integrity of of where they began. Um and you can't say that for every company. I I agree with that and I've always felt before I started at Netlify, before I was a DXE, I thought that the developer experience at Netlify was like the epitome of what DX should look like. Yeah. And I thought that was because they had these great developer experience engineers that were like inside of these toolings that you're building out and you make sure that those are good before they roll out to the public and you make sure that they're good for the community. And then they're also in the communities giving talks, like showing us how to use these things. And it was just all kind of flowed well together and produced this great DX and I'm so excited for where we're going back to that too. So how do you compare, Brittany? I'm kind of curious because um, you do a lot with the the Svelte community too. Like, how do you how do you compare like the Netlify stuff you're doing professionally versus the Svelte stuff? Like, is there is there a comparison at all? Well, there's overlap. Yeah, a lot of overlap. So if I, I use Svelte that. Kit and I show, 
So I get tagged on issues on like adapter Netlify for SvelteKit and I'll relay those back to my teams that, so I have like the connections from the community, knowing their pain points. I can relay that back to the right places inside of Netlify and help my community by doing those things. You so are, that, you are a liaison. Like that's yeah. like a lot of your job is, is that, that binding communication that you can set up. Um, and then I think you really get pushed into a level where, you start to care so much about finding the answers for those people because now you have the access. Yep. Like I no longer am just somebody who's like, I'll, I'll find out. Let me go talk to somebody who works there. I am the person who works there. Yeah. You are the person who works there. It, it, it allows you to, especially in such a, it's weird. Like, you know, working for Cloudinary, right? It's one product within a space that it's not limited. Media is huge, but you're, you're building within media with Netlify. It's an ecosystem of, all the web tools of all yeah. the frameworks so you're like you know you get to pick your niches and 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 all of that but you also have to open your horizon up into tools you haven't used yet tools that, and then you get this fresh perspective that a lot of your community is feeling at the same time mm-hmm. how do you guys deal with like comparisons like with Vercel? let's say how how do you handle it as a dxe like you don't want to put them down or you just trash them through the mud like what does that look like Absolutely not. Load, loaded question. <laughs> that was loaded. <laughs> no I trash answer. talking. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, I think that in our industry, right, like there's going to always be like a level of overlap that you start to feel with competition. And I think competition, like like the way that people set us up, you know, with, with Versal is, is a healthy one. Like it puts us into a position where if a good thing happens on either side, it's going to continue to push the web forward. It's going to continue to push the experience of others forward. So like, is there really any need to, t- I, I talk to Lee still like me and Lee are, are very cool. Like I, I think that I, I've had a phenomenal experience with a lot of the people that, that have worked at Versal. So, I mean, I'm, I don't care where you work at the end of the day. Like it's, it's never, I, I, I find a lot of the time we see, we see too much of the like, combative conversation on twitter but that's just because it's a focal point of of where we look at conversation like if twitter if we all weren't working from home and had all of this time like (laughs) we wouldn't see all of these things as as blatantly as we do now and i think that people are also in a really weird space anymore right like people are feeling more it's it's really personal for a lot of people you know like i i am somebody who like i don't give a absolute shit what anybody uses like i just it's never going to make me think less of you i don't think that you're a bad coder or a better coder for this or that like the can i learn from you like that's that's most of the time what i think and and i don't know i think that's just a much more fun way of of being a part of this community and industry I do look at kindness and how you treat other people too. So that is a part of it. But I mean, I, I hate the trash talking and I just build the web better together. Like we yeah. don't need to be separate. Yeah. And I, it's, the, I mean, it's going to happen. The, the challenging part, like coming out of all of that though, is there's still this thing at the end that there's a product you have to sell. And that's the part that always like drives me crazy is like, yeah, we can all like spout out love and like, let's build the web together, which I'm all for. But at the end of the day, like we are building something too. So it's challenging as like a DXE to say, yeah, Vercel's great and LFI is great, but I'm building the next like CDN and it's amazing. Like 
having that you have to itch, show how you're different right yeah that's <laughs> competition that's also breeds pushing things for like that that's what yeah. i mean though is that like you look at even all the frameworks right like so many frameworks battle with each other it's always mm. a you know thing but like what we've been seeing more often lately is now like oh wow your framework is implementing this that way maybe <laughs> that could make mine better like it, it's people people get so tightly you know wound around the thing that they're building because it does feel personal yeah. it's your thoughts it's the way you build things like people are going to have opinions i remember when i first started doing ui engineering and i would get like nitpicks on my pr and i'd be like okay <laughs> but now it's like yeah but now it's like you know I, it's it's just like it can be much more of a learning process and people forget that and you're totally right Brittany. like if you're starting to treat people like shit online, I don't care about interacting with you. Like whether or not I had a good experience with you or not, like that's a that's a, a lone experience. And I think a lot of the time, what we see is a lot of angry white dudes flinging mud at each other. Um, and it's like I don't care about any of that. So like keep that way over there. If you want to be angry and and spewing you know this toxic way to build your following, it's another thing I've never cared about. I don't care about building my following. I don't care about numbers i don't care about all of that extra crap and like yeah i mean does it feel great when when i put out a video and people follow me sure but i'm never like i don't need the following to to build my career and and to build who i am as as an engineer um i've i've spent a lot of time wanting to i want to personally connect with the people that follow me mm -hmm. i don't i don't want a, a sixty thousand following of people who are just going to rip on everything that I say at all times. I want people to connect with me in a way where if I put something out, that's, that's stupid. Right. Yeah. I, when they reach out to me and they're like, Hey dude, like let's rethink that. I can take their, their feedback much more, you know, seriously than genuinely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. I completely agree. I, I never want like followers just to have followers just to have followers i don't it doesn't like so many people build up their 100k follower base and then have like 30 people liking their tweets and their <laughs> engagements are like super low and it's like that only happens because you're 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 grifting your way into a following and like mm -hmm. that's a way to do it in the industry like people do that it, it, it is successful like i'm not gonna sit here and act like it doesn't work for some people but jason uh, jason has been my mentor he'll never admit this jason has been my mentor for probably the last three, four years that I even got into like DevRel. Um, and he told me one thing really early in my career when I first started getting like a couple thousand followers. He said, listen, dude, like you're not going to have a problem with this, but I want you to hear like people are going to, if you're an asshole, people are going to know. Like you can put on as much of a show as you want. You can, you can tweet only the right things. Something is going to happen and the real you is going to show at some point and people are going to be really disappointed. So one of the things I built into my brand really early was like, you're never going to get me on a stream and be like, wow, why does he talk like that? You're going to be like, oh, that's exactly the Dom that I was expecting even more so. It's genuine, right? Like, like I just said about like getting your followers, you want the people that you are getting feedback from and talking with to be genuine back to you. But you right. want to show yourself as this person that's the same no matter where you're at yep and completely i think the, the really nice part is you can support them back right like they are following yeah. you and like we need that as a dxe 100%. but we can a hundred percent like you're having an issue i'm going to you first because like you have brought me to where i am too so it's yep. like a, a bonding thing i guess yeah
Yeah. I want to pull a little bit back and go back to actually like starting building these communities and find out like, sure. I know you said you're the discord person. <laughs> so like, what are some of the tools that you're using to build communities that you think are the right steps to take to start building communities? Yeah. So I actually started, um, bootcamp was in Slack. And so I had felt the pains of what trying to grow a community in Slack can can feel like a lot of people are still there they they want to stay stubbornly there and they're going to realize very soon how much they continue to hate themselves for doing so um i'm telling you right now disclaimer slack is not for communities like if you're building your community in slack good for you eventually you're going to see the light and come over to a better platform i don't think discord is the answer to everything either like you know i i still think like you still can't publicly index conversation in discord that's my biggest complaint but like I like that. Like if, if they were I don't want form, all of my conversation to be if I'm in a community, yeah. I want my conversations in the community. Not that I'm talking about anything like wild that that can't be right. online, but like <laughs> I don't want every single thing I'm saying within a community of people that I trust to be out in the in the in the wild. I think yeah. it would be cool to be able to turn on channels to exactly. be indexable. If we um, if we need to turn on the new forums, just mm-hmm. those, like yeah. have that public, that would be new forums. The new home. Uh, I'm gonna get too caught up in Discord <laughs> stuff. So let me let me backtrack to the original question. Um, Discord is definitely my mainstay. Um, I think that there's also platforms like Meetup that just don't fit the bill anymore, right? Like Meetup, Meetup, in, in a time where everything was in person, you know. Meetup did the job of being there for discoverability, but like I think a self-hosted route. A lot of the people that that use Meetup use it for discoverability and to be able to track like um, you know the the attendance of their of their mm-hmm. events. I think self-hosted is the way to go in in that scenario. Like you know, scrape your Discord events, put them on a website, create a little database that that captures attendees for you, and you're on the road. Like. The more the more in house you can make the things that you're building, the the more it, it's easy to be able to to do more fun things. When you're controlled by the constraints of the of the you know the, the platform. platforms that you're yeah. using, you, you're in a really weird spot. So I definitely like self hosted for like instead of a meetup. I, Discord is just right for communities right now. Um, there could be something that comes out that's better, but as of right now, there is nothing better in my opinion than than using Discord. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, too. And I've seen communities that are in Discord use things like Luma and then do a Zoom call. And I just feel like it almost even like separates you from where your community's at. I feel like you've got to go to where your community's at. Yeah. And like, listen, I I hear the pain points of Discord. Like, I, again, I've been building mm-hmm. inside of it for so long. I use it as a gamer. Like, I that was the only reason like people were like, dude, how do you know Discord so well? I'm yep, like, because I'm a freaking I- nerd, my man. Like, I'm out here nerding. What are you saying? <laughs> so, you know, I had already had a lot of experience like with friends, like building channels and, and roles just to screw around with my friends. Like I'd give certain roles to friends who could like kick people from the voice channel from time. Like it was just fun stuff like playing around inside of Discord that taught me a lot about how to use it. Um, and then when I started building professionally like communities for Discord, I just learned a lot about all of their moderation features, which are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. The ability to build in features that that you'd want through bots and their api is is really fantastic um and then there's still some work to do on the gathering front like i think right now the max people you can have in a screen share share session is 50 um, oh, it was 25 the last i heard it was 25 and then during the pandemic they, they jumped it to 50 they doubled it which was dope but yeah. they um i was actually talking to matt pocock recently because we wanted to do a typescript uh thing for the jamstack discord 
And he was like, what if I just, and you can do this with like um, certain cameras. You can just have your cam link be a, a desktop screen so that you're not actually sharing anything. And that actually removes the limit of how many people can be inside of a voice channel at, at once, I'm pretty sure. So hot take. Yeah, there's ways to there's ways to get around it. I shouldn't have to do that. Is kind of yeah. where I'm at. Like I I don't want to have to do that. At that point, it's like I might as well go and stream on a platform, right? Like I might as well just go if we really want to open it up to the public. Like let's just stream on a platform. But like then if I stream on a platform, I can create an event. I can create a channel for that platform. So like we can have this controlled conversation going on at the same time as the event that's going on. Which you know we have these chats like when you use something like Streamyard, right? Like mm. then you have to keep up with like four different platforms worth of chat. Like I've got on the side screen right now, just YouTube and Twitch, right? Just to see mm. who's on what. Imagine just having a singular space inside of the discord. That's for your community that you can, sure. People can still show up in the chats and you're still going to have to pay attention to them, but like a much more controlled history driven conversation can happen inside of your community. This is my problem with Twitter spaces too, is that the conversation is like separate. You can't do it on desktop and, Oh, yeah, that's I love exactly. out of Twitter spaces because I feel like the yeah. introverts of the world, they don't want to be on camera. They don't want the pressure and like they come and talk. And I find that amazing. Even just that. voices is pressuring for a lot of people, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, I don't want to miss a couple comments. So when you were talking about being yourself, uh, Anthony Onorado, um, as someone who oh, what's up, used to run two years ago, that's so refreshing. So that was a comment <laughs> about you being you. So. Yeah, he's actually somebody I knew uh, from just like around town um, from friends of friends. Uh, he actually just started in his software journey. So hats off to you, Ant. Awesome. Nice, huge. congrats. And then this guy, I don't Doppelganger. I don't Wait, is that me? I don't oh. know who that is. Yeah, right? Is that you? I Well, yeah, I mean, if you go back to the uh, other view where my name is, that's me. I am <laughs> M. Harnington. So I don't. I totally missed it. I I'm, under, oh, I'm, I'm not understanding what he means. That's like, true. You I think are that's everybody report his account. I think he is a fake account um, <laughs> trying to sell you NFTs in DMs. So be careful for that other M Hardington. He's he's a he's a stinker. That other one uh, can crush at karaoke, though. I got to say, I haven't heard I him sing karaoke a months ago. We, we have smoke. hugged and rubbed beards. So I know he has a phenomenal <laughs> beard. I think we need a duet. Yeah. What, me and him. Yeah. Duet. People would be, be so. I, so the first time I actually met him, we were at uh, we were at Render, and they kept trying to give me his speaker badge. So like when I walked in, they were like, "Oh, like, dude, it's so good to like meet you finally." Like the speakers, you know, over there. I'm like, "What?" And then I met him, and, and like we're talking, and people are walking up. Like, are you guys brothers? Like, <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, that's my brother." Obviously, now he's just a spam account, but you know. <laughs> is what it is that's hilarious uh, oh my gosh we're so far off issues. like in, i always mess it up what is it rabbit hole did we decide that rabbit hole is we're, we're a, a hole. saying we're in a we're in i've opened a few rabbit holes at this point so oh, what do you do you want me to back froze. it up i can bring back the discord community conversation tangents there nick nick helped us out tangents are good tangents tangents are nice <sighs> Oh, so I think we covered starting a community. I think we covered there is there is some extra stuff I wanted to talk about, because oh. if there are people in here that want to start their own communities, like focus on how are you going to make it safe for everybody? 
establish a really strong coc and actually mm-hmm. adhere to it don't just go and copy someone else's good coc and be like, but, we're, but we're safe like you know i've got one no you have to enforce it one of the things that i learned uh very early being a part of party corgi with chris biscardi mm-hmm. is he showed me how even when it's uncomfortable you have to still do it like there are so many times that he has shown me the path of moderation in in such a distinct way that he's completely changed my outlook on how like what safety does mean to a community so like i don't care what you're building inside of what community you're creating if you're not worried about a like keeping people safe and b making sure that people that don't look like you can come in and have conversations like that is what you need to be focused on like a lot of these other communities that build up these really great names and have so many people joining also have 30 million white dudes having conversations with themselves and that just goes to show me like people don't feel comfortable that don't look like you coming and having conversation in your community spaces um and that could be anybody i've had that you know my own issue with that over you know it's not it's not exempt from me just because i know that it's a fact like you know because people that look like me are going to gravitate to me that is going to be something that i have to actively work on to make sure that other people have the door open as well um so that's like a really like i that's my last piece but like those are the two things you need to focus on when building a community and stop worrying about the number right like don't care about having hundreds of thousands of people even when you have those people in your discord or in your communities you are going to have maybe 10 of them that talk. Yeah. Lurkers this are a is, huge part of everybody's community. This is maybe an aside and not something that I don't know, but we've had this conversation because of spelt sirens, like women and non-binary people saying we need more women and non-binary people can sometimes not have the effect you want it to have. So is having these secluded communities for those people is that actually benefiting that as a whole i just want to get your take not that you may have had experience with this but like having that section of safe space for people is that actually just segregating us or is that allowing us space to grow i think they that should a hundred percent be built in but i think you need to build that in with somebody who is able to actively, again, moderate and continue to be uh, an active, like, conversationalist inside of Mm -hmm. these closed-off spaces. Like, I don't think that I should ever go and create a space for non-binary folks, and then I'm the one that's moderating conversation in there, right? Like, that's an unsafe space. You are creating an unsafe space by default with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, you know, one of the big things that a lot of people underestimate is you need to spend time building out people who, who don't look like you on your moderation team and on your admin and support team, because those people are going to be the ones that teach you the lessons that you're never going to see as a, as a straight white male myself. Like I, I am still learning day by day, you know, the, the microaggressions and the things that I say, right. Like I still say you guys, like that's an East coast thing. Like use guys is, is a big part of our slang. And it's something that I actively think about. It's something that I actively work on. And at first I was like, Oh, like it, it can't be that big of a deal. And the more people that I met, that were telling me otherwise that didn't look like me. I was like, okay, I need to shut the hell up. It is a big deal. And there needs to be a a, a space for people to bring up issues like that, that aren't public as public and not needing to go directly to a DM with somebody. It's so much nicer when you have, say you have a community of a hundred people and 10 of them are non-binary and they want to have discussions about these things that they don't want to be as public about because they don't want to have to run up against the people who are going to clash with them. And if you ever see that in public and you are having that type of, of community built, 
that is when I was talking about the Chris Biscardi stuff. Like, you need to act on that and make sure that, that it's public, that they know that you're watching and that that's not okay, that those yeah. levels of things are not okay. A lot of people like to take it to DM to not be, you know, to not create a ruckus and, and create the problem. But, like, it's not so much for the person who you're reprimanding. It's for the person that you're you're defending and supporting. They need to know that not only are you willing to go out on a, a limb and, and make the defense case for them, but you're also willing to do it in a way that shows your public support. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to like the creating the ball of safety. And so to, to TLDR, yeah, I do believe that those spaces are really helpful, but you have to be very intentional, intentional about how you're going to support them when you do something like that. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. And going back to what you were saying about Party Corgi and learning from not saying that, too, it's if you're on the other side of that, receiving that information, you have to be willing to work on it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to change right away. It's yeah. not something that you it's part of your personality. Like you yeah. said, you grew up saying that yep. I, I did as well. And mm -hmm. it's something that you just have to be intentional about. Yeah. And. They need to know to that you're trying. And yeah. most people aren't going to jump down your throat. Like, everybody is always making it this big thing like, oh, yeah. like I can't even do this now because of that or whatever. And it's like most of the people that I've ever interacted with that are that are correcting me or, or, or educating me have mm -hmm. done it in a way where they're like, yeah, like I just would rather you not say that. And, you know, this or that. Like it, 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 I've never felt like I was being like punished for being wrong. Yeah. And don't be wrong. Cancel culture is a real thing. Like and you know what? Some of you mofos should be canceled. That's why I don't care. That is what it is. You deserve to be reprimanded for stupid shit that you say online. And that goes back to, again, what I was saying earlier. If you're not willing to be genuine 100% of the time, you're going to slip, sound like an idiot, and then get canceled. Congratulations. <laughs> you're an idiot. You win the prize. Like, you know, that. How but do like, you handle, the like, the level of moderation that you go through in communities, though? Like, there's, there's certain stances where you're, like, immediate ban. And then yeah. there's other times you're like, whoa. How do you I, handle like that? I think a lot of the time, unless it is a one of the cool things again is like once you create a moderation group, like a lot of the time in Party Corgi, excuse me, a lot of time in Party Corgi, when something happens, we screenshot it, we bring it to the mod channel, and we go, "What do y'all think? Yeah. This is what I think I should do. What do y'all think?" And we get feedback, and we get answers, and then we and then we respond and act as in kind. But like, if somebody's coming in and being like blatantly racist you're banned you're kicked you're out yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like there's no there's, there's I like easy i don't want to sit and educate you it's probably not gonna happen you're you're gonna stay stuck in your ways like and i don't need people in my community having to be the ones that have to deal with that we uh yeah. we yeah. had a situation in the spelt community where it was something that was like kind of roundabout not good towards kind of the sirens like non-binary and other things and they just kept kind of saying things that were just out of line and finally yep. we just in the moderation channel talked about it and decided a ban was needed this is called the missing stare uh, i don't know if you've ever heard of of that term um again i learned that in party corgi um a lot of the time microaggressions happen inside of communities that are let go because it's awkward to try and reprimand them in on the spot when you know that they're maybe just trying to have a conversation um but the more you do that, the less people are going to want to talk in your community. So like the more microaggressions that you allow X person, X missing stare to make, the less likely folks are going to want to come in and join your conversation. And it goes back to like 90% of your community is going to be lurkers. The best mm -hmm. feeling is when a lurker goes, hey, I don't talk here often, but I wanted to let you know how much I enjoy watching the conversation happen here. Yes. Like 
that means we've created a safe environment for those lurkers to start to be able to make those types of conversations inside of your communities. So um, I think that like, if you haven't heard or read up on the missing stare, go and do that. It will literally help you so much when building a community because so often are you going to have those people who are really helpful and want to be so involved, but don't really have the the public ability to to build you know conversation and friendships without putting something down someone down saying something in a weird way that is going to be misconstrued you can help people like that like those people can be moderated to understand but a lot of the time when it doesn't happen that's when again like Brittany said you got to make the decision to give them the old booteroni and get them out of there I gotta, I gotta call this out. Tony put it in here. I really like kind of the way he said it. He says, if if people don't try to understand the rule, then there has to be a hard line. I don't agree with all the rules, but I love the community. So that tells me like he's willing to follow the rules because of the fact the community's so open. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and 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 Tony's one of those people that I think has seen so much of the growth and progression of Party Corgi, but like also me like and and what i've done throughout my career and inside of communities and has been such a huge supporter and is one of those people that i've watched actively educate me and then also be an educator for others who are coming into the community and may not understand the rules so that that like everyone should have a tony alves in their community he is one of those people that just like shows up and is willing to put in the work on his free time and and that is like one of the the biggest things that you can build in a community is the safety for people to want to be involved in that way. Yeah, that's great. So shout out to Tony. I think, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go to our perfect picks now, because I have a feeling we got some hot picks in here that are, they're going to take some like time to unpack. So (laughs) especially Dom's is up first. Uh, Oh, we're putting mine first. Yeah. Yours is up first. Cause I I have a feeling it's, it's going to take a minute um maybe there we go all right tell us tell us what this thread's all about Dom. um so for me i just read really fast through this thread so i don't know this person at all and i hope that they're not an idiot um the one thing that i've felt real complication in is i have no freaking clue what i'm doing when it comes to accounting (laughs) so when it comes to like every time i go to work for a company and they're like we're going to offer you this much shares. <laughs> I'm like, sick. What the hell does that mean? And <laughs> yeah. I don't know when I'm going to have $150,000 to exercise, but okay, like, let's give it a shot. I, I feel like we should break that part down. So the, the typical offering these days in startup is like, I'll give you 0.1% of the company. And then there's a one year cliff and then yeah. a percentage up to four years. That's, yeah, it's about that's four kinda... years. Yeah, it's usually a four year with a one year cliff for full vest. And, and what, and like, what the hell does that, that even mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, what we mean by that, basically, you're going to get 25% towards that 0.1. But mm-hmm. it's not an immediate thing. And this is this is the hardest part to like understand for people. So you have to go through that full like four years to be fully vested. So that's mm-hmm. the full timeline. But after that, you also need to make sure your shares aren't getting diluted by other investors. And there's all this stuff into it. And you're basically waiting for them to IPO or be bought. Because exactly. that, that is a way that you get the money without having to go and exercise. And by exercise, that means buying, buying the ability to sell the stock. Because when you get the vest, you get brought in at a certain strike price 
which say the stock is worth $6 to buy to you, but to the public when it's, when it's buyable, it's $18, right? Like you got in at a very early level, so you can buy it for cheaper and then sell it at the, at the price that it's selling at. So that's where a lot of people like, you know, in, in, in tech get a lot of their money from right. is being able to, you know, have the, the capability to buy at the strike price, sell it the, at the selling price, or wait for your company to get acquired like Figma did and make a shit ton of money without having to do a damn thing, <laughs> which is sick. Like, that's what I want. Um, but it's really confusing. So, it's really so hard stuff to talk about, know. like, your 150K, though. Like, this is the part that I think gets a lot of people. So you've experienced where you've kind of come out of startup land, and yeah. you get... Uh, so usually you have to exercise within summer, six months, summer, a year. Builder was amazing. They were like 10 years or 12 years, something wow. huge. So what's that when you say, I can't afford 150K? What does that actually mean? Because you have to be able to buy, like that strike price is how much each stock is going to cost you. And if you have, say, 350 shares, right, and it's at $6 per share, to, to be able to exercise your full right of buying those, you have to have the money up front to buy it at the strike price. Your, your whole goal is to buy like, and again, this, I am, I am not a financial advisor. <laughs> Do not listen to anything I'm saying without We're just doing trying to set up this tweet, folks. <laughs> Please never, ever, ever be like, well, Demetrius said to do this. <laughs> Don't do disclaimer. That. If you do it, you're on your own. Good luck. <laughs> um, I've never done it myself. So this is only stuff that I've read and been educated on. But yeah, if you, if you, you, you basically end up needing and you and the capital gains when you do something like that, the, te- the IRS is here to take that bread. They want mm-hmm. your money. So like my best advice is go pay someone who knows how to do this shit to do it for you. Unless you're educated in a way that you feel like you can handle it on your own. More power to you. Give me a DM and tell me what the hell I should be doing. But other than that, why do people pay us as developers? Because we know what the hell we're doing sometimes. <laughs> and we tweet- really get paid to learn otherwise. This tweet thread actually says that they partnered with their friends at Compound, which I don't know what that is, but um, also to DM this other person if they have questions. You see, you see that that big exclamation. Go up a little bit. Just disclaimer. Bit. Wait, hold on. This is not financial advice. So I again, just so that <laughs> nobody can clip me and be like, "But Dom, you said on this stream, no, <laughs> no." This, this is just is not financial it's, advice. It's for fun. It's for fun. That's it. <laughs> Because people are going to blame me and I'm going to blame you. <laughs> the, the big thing, like I want to clarify for people is that when you're getting an offer and startups are all new to me, I worked in enterprise for 12 years plus uh, before kind of venturing into this startup land stuff. And when you get an offer and they're like 0.1%, that that's probably going to mean $10 million out the other side. Like start thinking realistically. Why I'm like, where's the money now? $10 million. Okay. Where's so the money all, right now? I don't need future fake money. I ain't worried about no total <laughs> comp. What are you paying me yearly? <laughs> Give me my money. Oh man, it's my oh. money, and I need it now. I have so, a question. Yeah. No. yeah. After the pick, or do you have something else on the pick? Uh, we we're just gonna run this. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No. <laughs> Dumb. What games are you playing? Video games. Yes. Shoo. Okay. So I just recently. I'm going to show off my baby. Hold on. You know, I recently got my Steam Deck. So if nobody knows what the Steam Deck, this this thing is it. It's expensive as hell. So, you know, I I appreciate that not everybody may be able to enjoy in that. But I'm going to tell you right now, like as a kid who, you know, I played I played mobile gaming, like Game Boy Advance a ton of my life. Like I was just always on the move with my parents. So I would just be gaming it up in the backseat. Um, that is the most insane piece of technology I've played with in a while. Um, it 
is literally one of the coolest things because not only do you get your entire Steam library, so like all the single player games that I never play because I'm always playing with people online, I now can play on that. Um, but it's an emulator's dream. So like I've yeah. been playing PS2 games. I've been playing. I have 007 GoldenEye on there from the N64. Like it is. It is so much fun. Um, I've recently been playing uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Dot Hack GU, Last Code, um, and I've been playing. Uh, been playing. Uh, oh, recently I just picked up Overwatch Two again. But that's that not thing on was that. pretty big too. And you were it's saying- so light. Hawaii that like you had a controller you brought and you could bring more than one controller and people could play with you. Yeah. So it has Bluetooth on it. Like, and I have, I'll, I'll post, um, I actually did. I'll, I think I have it on Twitter. I'll find it while you're, while we're talking about the rest of the picks, but I got a, uh, it's like a 1.2 inch ultra thin monitor, 16 inches, um, OLED. And I basically, so on American airlines, they have like the iPad clip that you Mm -hmm. have. So I literally iPad clip. I had, uh, I got a new anchor 45 watt battery. And the, the monitor itself has two USB plugs, USB-C plugs. So you plug the one into the anchor, the one into the Steam Deck, and it actually charges through. So you can keep playing the Steam Deck. So I played uh, on a six-hour flight the whole time. Oh, my God. Um, and basically, the, the Steam Deck itself has a Bluetooth. So I literally put the Steam Deck into the pocket of the chair, had a PS5 controller, and was just leaned back playing my game on my you. monitor. in front. This old dude next to me was like... <laughs> Do you travel? What are you doing? He was like, you work in tech, don't you? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yes, sir, I do. Oh, my goodness. My my pick's nowhere near as exciting as either. I knew things. asking Dom about games would go really well for this section. <laughs> so uh, so I, I put one in for a courier. Um, since we're working at AppRite for all these integrations, like I'm in charge of our integrations. And it's it's crazy, like all the people that we can tie into. So this was one that popped up on my radar. I, I find it pretty cool. Um, you can do, I got to find the little screen. So you can do like a bunch of stuff, Postmark, Slack, Twilio, Sengrid. You can tie it all together, but why can't I find it? There's templating. Here we go. So the templating in this is bananas good. I love it. Um, so definitely check that out. My second pick it is hacked over. If you don't know, you're probably living <laughs> under a rock at this point. Um, so Hacktoberfest is on by DigitalOcean. Um, there's probably others running it, but I want to do my pick for the actual website for Hacktoberfest. It is unbelievable. Uh, oh, the little Easter eggs, like just the layout. This whole thing is just sweet. Uh, when you start hacking... It takes you into all of your like PRs and things you're doing for Hacktoberfest as well and tracks them. I and, screenshotted uh, I think... that hover thing for my Twitter profile picture. Yeah, that. Colby Fayok told me I should do a Cloudinary tutorial on that filter. Colby is always <laughs> finding a way. I love that. <laughs> we love Colby. What's love his Colby. jelly thing? Jellyfish? Space jelly. Space jelly. Space jelly. Go check out Space Joe. Y'all want to see my cute, my new puppy? Wait, can I get? Oh, we do. So cute. Look at him in his little playpen. Oh, my gosh. I have no idea what he is, so don't ask, but he's cute. (laughs) (laughs) I literally asked the adoption center. I was like, what is this? And they were like, a dog. Um, (laughs) Please take this. I was like, a dog made from other dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Britt, you're up next. Oh, okay. Uh. You get a sh- there you go. Oh, Web Unleashed. So, conference coming up end of 
October 24th through the 26th. I do not know what day my talk is going to be on, but I am doing starting with Spelt. There are so many good speakers like Rachel. Ainsley. Hey, Chasey Lee. Like, yeah. West Boss. Like West I just, boss. I can't with all the people that are at this conference. It's a lot of imposter syndrome, but I'm going to, the talks. Yeah. Right there. You're there the for talk. a reason, Brittany. Right. I, I got to keep there for a reason. That. But uh, starting with Spelt is the name of my talk. Like, Come check out Spelled if you haven't had time to like see what it's about and check it out. And the other pig that I had, Alex just jumped over, so it's fine. I did. Vitconf is next Tuesday. Just oh. go to Vitconf. It's Camp. free. Twenty thousand people are going to be there, which is bonkers. Hang out with your best friends. Your now that friends. I'm going to tell you right now, all the we only have a little bit left. That is hard to do. When you do an online conference inside of Discord, we did that with GraphQL Summit, and we probably had like a quarter of that. It is it it takes a lot of like intention, and it I, I imagine the V the V team is gonna absolutely smash it. Oh yeah, yeah. there's a uh, lot of, a lot of good folks over there. Matias Patrick has been the one setting all of this up, which I can't even imagine doing all of that. But he's been incredible. Spellkit runs off V now, right? Uh, yes, I mean pretty much every framework runs off feet except next they'll get there <laughs> we'll see well dom thank you for carrying the show and doing all the dancing we really appreciate yes. it no problem please hey, i'm not connecting my heart Jeez. yeah I, <laughs> I saw a lot of struggle there so i wasn't gonna say anything but you know you did first so i'm in um thank you all so much for having me um everybody that tuned in i, I saw a bunch of people that i absolutely love in here so Thanks for coming out and listening to me jabber on. Yeah, thank you so much. Come back again. It's a great time. Love y'all. Peace. Bye.